As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Choices are great. Like with your podcasts, you get to choose what you want to listen to. And State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. That's why the State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you get the coverage you want at an affordable price and a policy that helps cover what you value most. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm Personal Price Plan. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on the sportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. A great pleasure to be back on board once again with you today. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Uh, much more enjoyable this time around, visiting Detroit, Michigan. A, well, 30-23 to 23 victory for the Vikings uh, last year. Vikings could not bring Matthew Stafford down at key points. This time, they could. So, that's what mattered. Uh, The Vikings had a sizable lead in this game, and it quickly dwindled. But at the end of the day, the Minnesota Vikings are 9-2, first place in the NFC North, and, of course, continue to hold on very strongly to a first-round bye. That's what it's all about. You put the... Okay, I don't even want to get back into... (laughs) Well, that's what it's all about. I mean... You know, until January starts, it's all about getting the hopefully the best record you can, get as much home field advantage as possible, and the ultimate uh, dream of holding on to home field advantage all the way to the Vince Lombardi Trophy. Like you would have, you would be at home all the way, regardless of what game it is, regardless how far you get, and hopefully the Vikings can get there. Uh, the kicking woes continued, but was it really all Kai Forbath's fault? Of course not. The hold wasn't real good. The timing was off, this, that, the snap wasn't good. Um... One of the kicks that was blocked in the game was also uh, one of the Detroit defenders jumped over the line and no call was made. In this game, a lot of people will come back and complain about the officiating today. One pass interference, no call after another, and of course, maybe some ticky-tack ones on our side. Okay, I guess they were pass interference, but if you're going to call those, then call the ones that were pretty much going on a big portion of the game, especially on Stefan Diggs, who got absolutely no uh, pass interference calls today. I thought he was going to get something. And he didn't, but luckily he was able to make a huge play along the way. Kind of did a similar situation, breaking tackles like uh, Adam Thielen did on his ultimate long play during the game. It got Things got extremely chippy. Uh, Jarius Wright made another one of his key <laughs> first downs. In fact, he made two of them in this game. He's been getting a few more snaps out there. Both of his catches were for first down in today's game. Well, at least the Thanksgiving game, we'll call it. <laughs> Adam Thielen targeted 11 times, was able to bring it in eight times. Those passes, all the ones that were caught were the ones that were close enough to him. So most of them that were missed were either throwaways or, of course, just, you know, short hop, you know, this type of situation. Kind of a messy game. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, though, really uh, stepped up along the way. A big, gigantic 34-yard reception. 
catch and go type of thing. You, you know, you knew he probably wasn't going to go to pay dirt, but ultimately got the job done. Jack McKinnon, it was great. It was huge on a screen pass along the way also. Case Keenum continues to hold on to the job like like he's, you know, <laughs> he continues to hold on like his life depends on it, and he's doing a wonderful job as quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. 70% completion percentage, almost 300 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers, only sacked twice. Riley Reef allowed his first sack in 10 games, but okay, so we don't have to get too mad. I guess if you're going to give up a sack, give it up in a game where you still won the game. Uh, and it got to a point of whoever lost today's game, it was going to be one of those games where you're kicking yourself and you're going to be remembering it for a long time. What about this? What about that? Where last year it happened more than once. Third and long, the Vikings could not bring down Matthew Stafford. This time around, we didn't have to worry about that nearly as much, even though the Lions did get a lot of key first downs. Uh, boy, um... Tough game overall, though. Some three and outs and then some big drives. This Minnesota Vikings offense can play this game, and the Minnesota Vikings defense can play the game as well. But Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes had a tough day today. Um, They had a tough day indeed. Um, Okay, I'm recording the first segment on Thanksgiving, not long after the game, so just going to let you know. But the show will probably be released Friday morning at some point, late Friday morning. So obviously, as you know. So that's the situation. I'm not the first person to split shows up as is. Good to be talking about this now while it's fresh. Uh, fresh in my mind and fresh in front of me, all that. Uh, Anderson Deho made his return, and he was solid. He made a lot of tackles. That's good and bad, of course, because catches were made, but at least he was able to make the tackles and such along the way. But Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes, I mean, you almost never see Xavier Rhodes with five tackles in a game, but that's because he was getting burned a, a, a bit today. Now, not he wasn't, like, getting crushed or anything, but... He, there was enough space between him and the receiver, and that's the goal of being a wide receiver is to create space. There's always space between Trey Waynes and X receiver, whoever he is, uh, Tate or whoever. Um, but, And, of course, both of them were flagged multiple times for pass interference, and the frustration was setting in in a big way. At the end of the day, it's a division game, and regardless, you could be the best team in the world playing the worst team in the world. If they're in the same division, it's trouble. It always is. That's where the Miami Dolphins always beat the New England Patriots. It's not just because the Dolphins are better than the Patriots, because when's the last time they were? I mean, like like 98, maybe? Something like that? Not. It, it's been a while. It doesn't happen very often. Maybe 2000 was the last time. I think the Dolphins won the division that year, and that's pretty much the last time Yeah, anybody's won the division other than the Patriots the last 15, 20 years, so it's kind of how things are going there. Um, division games are a mess, and it just is what it is. Um, Linval Joseph, key, stopping the run once again today. Everson Griffin, very solid, getting a couple of sacks in today's game, and that was the good news, as the Vikings were able to get into the backfield a bit and to get to uh, Mr. Matthew Stafford. Detroit unable to run most of the game today because they were playing from behind, and that's the good part. Uh, the Vikings offense kind of similar to it was against the Rams, where they were continuing to get key first downs. They were continuing to make plays, and that's more than you can ask for. It's just wonderful. Uh, continuing to make plays. Uh, Latavius Murray would get somewhere, and then, of course, you'd get the gaffes, where you'd get a missed block, and the next thing you know, Jarek McKinnon's down for a seven-yard loss, and you're hearing this. Yeah, I mean, and that's because occasionally somebody would miss an assignment. Uh, David Morgan missed an assignment. Uh, you'd see Joe Berger. It was, you know, I, I don't think Berger had the best game either. Joe Berger, Berger did not have the best game of, of the season either for him. Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes all the time. And Berger, not the best game. And, of course, Kai Forbath kind of, you know, I, I'm not really mad at him today. 
even though at the same time it can't be good. I mean, it's probably not good for his confidence out there, uh, getting kicks blocked, the guy jumping over. And then, of course, another kick that appeared to be blocked very late in the game where <laughs> clearly the guy was so offside it wasn't even funny. So luckily that was called, and the Vikings got a first down. It was obviously fourth down, very close to the to the goal, to the goal line, Vikings would get a first down. All they had to do was kneel, run the clock out. So that worked out nicely. At least they called that one. But for the most part, a lot of calls on Detroit today, a lot of clutching and grabbing, and they were getting away with it and whatever. That just kind of was the story of today's game. Felt like a little home cooking for the uh, Detroit Lions today. Whatever. Ugh. Just is what it is, and um, ultimately, again, I'll, uh, it seemed like every time Jerick McKinnon was in, he was he got the the short straw with the, uh, the 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 blocking today, as the Detroit line was getting in there and causing some damage. And you know what? They're good. Uh, obviously, uh, Whitehead and others, they're good players. You know, Akeem Spence was killing us for a huge point of the game. Ashawn Robinson killing us throughout the game today. Tackles for loss, getting in the backfield. And McKinnon, again, was, yeah, he was snake bit a bit today. Uh, luckily, Mr. Latavius Murray was able to get loose for a 46-yard gain. Ultimately, Vikings got in the end zone. They gave him the ball back, and he was able to finish. This time, he was clearly in the end zone, and that helped greatly. <laughs> Jerick McKinnon, or excuse me, uh, Latavius Murray solid. But again, the running game, it's like hit and miss, but luckily, it seems to work out eventually. Like when they keep doing it, they keep pushing it, they keep trying, things kind of average out, and then Latavius Murray winds up with 4.2 yards a carry instead of, you know, like one yard a carry, which it was appearing to be for a while there because of the big gains, you know, because they happen, because the good blocking catches up. Things just kind of catch up, average out, and that defensive line doesn't always seem to get through. The defensive tackle, they don't always get through and make their big plays and give the Vikings seven-yard bleeping losses. Damn it, anyway. Oh, that got frustrating. Case Keenum again avoided one sack after another. He was sharp for the most part. I mean, obviously you're going to have a, a icky pass here and there. Maybe it's miscommunication. Thought a guy was going to go one way, the ball went the other. You know, or just he just missed. You know, because people are going to miss. Human error happens. And Case Keenum again did not turn the ball over today, and that was the good news. Uh, Detroit with a key fumble in the you know in the in, in the red zone today saved the Vikings' ass along the way. That was very helpful. Uh, a key touchdown. In the end, uh, obviously, uh, uh, what would have been a touchdown for Detroit, the guy did not have the ball. So luckily, the Vikings got get the ball back. I believe it. I can't remember if it was, yeah, it was uh, Galladay. It, it would have been a touchdown, but ultimately, it was called back because he did not have control of the ball. And the Vikings, luckily, <sighs> thank God in heaven, were uh, the the Detroit Lions had to kick, and that was kind of time and again. That's why Detroit would ultimately be kicking themselves right now because their chances of winning the division are slim to none at this stage. Uh, Golden Tate, he had so many chances on today's game as well, but ultimately only wound up with seven yards, which is really strange, hard to believe. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. was killing us time and time again, particularly killing Xavier Rhodes. The roads were open. They weren't closed. The light was green. The roads were open today. They'd eventually get stopped, but, I mean, ugh. Xavier Rhodes was on a he was he was he was on a beeline to get the Christian Pounder Memorial, until this one still small voice inside of me kept saying, "It always seems to happen this way, where say a Trey Waynes or a Xavier Rhodes, but really it was Trey Waynes all the time, was getting burned all day, and then all of a sudden, late in the game, he'd get the key interception that would kind of ice the game. It would be the dagger, and guess what? That's right, Xavier Rhodes would do the same thing." 
So, thank God. Did he avoid the Christian Toronto Memorial? <laughs> we'll just have to come back to that in a second. But, uh, ooh, huh, ooh, I don't know. This was a scary game. Detroit scares the crap out of me. Matthew Stafford always clutch, always putting the, the, the Lions in position to win despite how far they're down. I mean, the Vikings led by 17 on multiple occasions in today's game. You're able to get in the end zone, of course. Case uh, Kai Forbath had a blocked punt. That's what took place. It wasn't a missed punt or a punt, a, a blocked extra point. That's what I'm looking at, PAT. It was blocked. It was not missed. It was blocked. Case Keenum, of course, also was able to get the Vikings in the end zone very quickly after that. They were forced the Lions. Uh, that, that was actually after the, yeah, the Vikings were able to get the ball back. And then ultimately, Case Keenum was able to rush it in, old school style, and gotta love that. Vikings up 13 nothing instead of 14 nothing. Detroit would kind of try to hang in there. You'd think they're going to get in the end zone, but the Vikings continued. That's what's so great about the Zimmer defense. Regardless, if the other team gets to the 20-yard line, 25-yard line, they always find a way to keep opposing offenses out of the end zone, regardless how good that quarterback is. And that's what's so great about this defense, is the Detroit Lions tried as they might to get in the end zone and could not get there until the end of the uh, second quarter. <clears throat> that was disgusting. It's very frustrating. Uh, Kyle Rudolph was awesome today. Case Keenum, late in the second quarter. The Vikings would have the ball with about three minutes remaining. They put together another wonderful drive, completions along the way, an awesome in-the-breadbasket play. Case Keenum to Kyle Rudolph to put the Vikings up 20-3. to You're all excited, ready to rock and roll. And what happens every time the Vikings are playing Matthew Stafford with 37 seconds left. It's like 37, 38. What was last year? 39, 38. And you got mad at Mike Zimmer, but no, it's because the play was so good that it was a touchdown. So you can't get mad at that. You got in the bleeping end zone. So it's a lot better than having to settle for a field goal or God knows, maybe you got a clock running out or it's an errant pass, intercepted. Maybe Detroit freaking gets right back in the game. Maybe it's 10 to 3 or 13 to 10, I mean, pardon me. But regardless, Detroit had time. And Matthew Stafford and co. got the job done. It was just vanilla defense. I mean, you get all excited about how good our offense was seconds ago. And then here come the Detroit Lions. And it's like a prevent defense. Like, oh, yeah, we will. Like my brother said this perfectly. Oh, the Vikings must think they won the game already because they're, they're forgetting there's a whole second half to play for crying out loud. And 37 seconds left in the second quarter. And they used 27 of them, which was just disgusting and pissed me off beyond belief. 20 to 10 at the half. You know, you come into this game, and if, say, maybe an hour before the game, you had some kind of, uh, what's the word? Uh, damn it. What is that word? Where Premonescence, I believe, is the word. Where it's like you have a vision, and then there's the score at the half. 20 to 10. Vikings over the, the, the Lions. And you think, that's pretty damn good. And you're, you're absolutely right, it's damn good. But when it was 20 to 3 with 37 seconds remaining and they only needed 27 of those seconds, that's bullcrap. And I don't know, it's typical Matthew Stafford against the Vikings and against everybody else. Uh, and, and, and Sebastian was saying, well, you're not supposed to like uh, rivals and, you know, and all that. Well, I know you're not supposed to like rivals. You don't have to be so dug on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, love, no, I love Sebastian Barton, but oh boy, that guy is so, <laughs> he's, he's funny like that. Oh, son of a gun. But still. There's a little something extra than disliking a rival with this one because I don't get that same hatred for the Bears necessarily. Detroit fans get under my skin like, I, I, I don't know. They almost get under my skin more than Lions, uh, than Packer fans, almost. I mean, they're right on the doorstep. 
And Matthew Bleef and Stafford, and of course Aaron Rodgers, every time you give them any time to do anything, they always seem to get in the end zone. And it's just, ah, it's just baffling. It's ridiculous. You want to appreciate the athleticism and the greatness and all that, but they're just, it drives you nuts because it's against you, and it's against you again, and it's against you again. Or uh, at a key moment when you're, praying to God they're going to lose this game. Maybe you're up by a game or you're down by a game, whatever it is. Squadron left, squadron fly, and that's basically what they do. And they freaking get all the way, and they get in the end zone, and they win the game, and you're just, like, just sick to your stomach. Where in this case, it put the Lions back in the game. But then the Vikings offense, that's right, because... Detroit received the ball at the beginning of the game. The Vikings got the ball to start the second half, which I just love very much. And it was kind of just rock'em, sock'em, smash-mouth football that ended up very positively, with Latavius Murray getting rewarded at the end, very deservedly so, after he got a, that 41-yard uh, gain due to a nice opening and a good finish. And and we'll take it. And Kai Forbath made the extra point in uh, 27-10. And all's right with uh, the football world. The Lions get chances, though, time and time again. They get down the field a couple times, and the Vikings' defense again stands strong. Both plays. When the Vikings' offense suddenly was sputtering, you were getting, you were seeing good drives turn into punts, stuff like that. What looked like the start of good drives turned into punts. One of them was just a flat-out three and out, and it was real scary, especially when it was, uh, oh, it was scary as hell along the way when it was 27-23. That Vikings defense just really is a son of a gun, and luckily they kept the Vikings in the game. The Vikings offense did what they did. They got their 30 points, and they earned it. They earned it every damn one of those points the Vikings offense did. There were turnovers that helped, but there were not. There was no pick six or fumble six in the game. There was a fumble, and there was one interception very late that I already talked about that did happen that helped ice the game. In fact, it did. Well, no, that didn't ice the game. It was the... It was the offsides call in Detroit on the on the, the field goal attempt, which could have been really interesting if things continued to go that direction. But um, luckily, the Vikings would hang in there. The defense would hang in. You're, you're giving up field goals. Detroit's inching closer, inching closer, inching closer. And then they had the big drive late in the third into the early the fourth. Just made the Vikings, mincemeat out of the Vikings and of uh, Xavier Rhodes. Marvin Jones Jr., 43 yards to pay dirt. Just... Uh, you know, two guys draping over him. Of, of course, there was a penalty along the way. Just a meaningless, stupid penalty that didn't help anybody. Like it like it always is. Just a meaningless penalty. And it wouldn't have mattered anyway because the guy caught the frickin' ball. Stupid Marvin Jones Jr. And you know what? Good on him. Hell of a game today. Hell of a game for Marvin Jones Jr. 43 yards. And Detroit's within four. Yes, that's more than a field goal, and there is no extra point to a field goal, so three points is three points. They have to get in the end zone, but Detroit's done it a million times, and they have the whole fourth quarter to do it. You have your three and outs and all that, but then the Vikings force Detroit into three and out after three and out, or fourth down after a couple first downs and such, time and time again. Matt Prater made everything he was able to kick today, so yeah, it wasn't the same situation like it was on the purple uh, sidelines. Kai Forbath was able to finish, though, when the Vikings were hoping to get a <laughs> a game-ending drive into the end zone, would have put it away. 10-point lead. Vikings win, this and that. But luckily, Kai Forbath was able to bury the 36-yarder this time around. Puts the Vikings up by 7. And then, of course, Stafford and Co. had the start of what looked like a promising drive. They forced uh, Stafford into the interception. And you're just thanking God. And then, of course, again, Vikings burning the clock, burning the clock wisely. wisely and then next thing you know, the offsides call on the field goal attempt, the blocked field goal attempt by the same guy that was way too 
close. He was it was too easy for him because he was not it, it was an illegal play. So all the Vikings had to do was kneel, and your final score was uh, a little higher than it uh, a, a little lower than maybe it would have been if that guy wasn't offsides. Hopefully Forbath would have made it, but maybe Detroit would have made it interesting at the end. Kate Keenum ended up finishing with a one point. Uh, she's made a one twenty eight point eight one twenty one point eight quarterback rating. Again, no turnovers once again by this offense against a team that was fourth in the league in takeaways. Detroit, fourth in the league in takeaways. L.A., number one in the league coming into that game in takeaways and zero turnovers by the Minnesota Vikings. Pretty big. Pretty, pretty, pretty big deal. Wonderful accomplishment. Scary as heck game, but a hell of a finish. And, uh, well, you know, when you can survive a game like this and, and you're the one, you know, eating the turkey, whatever, not sure they do that. No, they don't do that anymore. But you got the gold, little golden football handed to Case Keenum, who deserved it. Um, feels great. It just—it's an incredible feeling to be here. Nine and two. I mean, it's been a long time, and hopefully, you don't have guys getting uh, femurs broken. That was so—that was so frustrating. EJ Henderson, as good as he was, got his femur broken. What was that guy's name that hit him? I, I believe it was—he uh, was Stafford, right? That was the guy's name, Stafford. I can't remember. He was from, uh, uh, what the hell are these colleges called? Stanford. Was it Stanford? Ryan? I forget his last, I forget his first name, but Stanford, the guy who broke uh, E.J. Henderson's femur, was basically, that's all that guy did was hit people hard. And that's about all she wrote there. So thank you very much for that. Hopefully that won't happen. <laughs> Hopefully Vikings can have some more positive games coming up against Atlanta and Carolina and such as we shift back to the NFC South again. Mm where uh, the Vikings beat up on the uh, Saints at the beginning of the season, much to Adrian's chagrin. It was a fun, fun night for the Minnesota Vikings and a frustrating night for the Saints. But ever since then, they've only lost one game, and they just continue to roll through the league. They'll be tested this weekend. It'll be interesting. The Rams and the Saints, there it is. Rams one game behind the Saints in the NFC uh, you know, conference standings, all that. Saints still 8-2, and two, and uh, boy, just rolling through everything and scares the crap out of me. Um, playoff picture hasn't changed a whole lot at this moment. Los Angeles Chargers are rolling over the Cowboys, so Dallas may be done and dusted sooner than we thought. And the Los Angeles Chargers just have to be knocking on the door for the Baltimore Ravens here pretty quick. Too bad they came off to such an awful start to the season because they've been downright great the last few weeks here. The Los Angeles Chargers—that's the only other game I can talk about already. So I'm just talking about it now, I guess. Maybe I should have saved it for the second segment, but I didn't. So, whatever. It'll just be a flat-out preview segment in segment number two, and maybe some other bantering around just for the heck of it um, as other games take place uh, coming up and such. But unfortunately, yeah, I'm probably not going to... Yeah, I'm not going to wait till Sunday to record segment number two. Let's pass out the Fran Tarkington Award. Case Keenum. I mean, Case Keenum. It, it's, it, it has to be. Uh, without a doubt, it's Case Keenum today. He was very solid, much better than he was last time around. Again, he's not a perfect quarterback, but he made plays. A beautiful pass to Kyle, Kyle Rudolph, and he stood in, he stood strong at moments. Uh, he got flagged for an unsportsmanlike conduct in one of those uh, early fourth quarter moments, and it looked like the Vikings were in big, big, big trouble. Just kind of flipped the ball at, I believe it was Robinson. Uh, yeah, nope. I can't remember which one it was. It was, yeah, it was Spence. Uh, Akeem Spence uh, flipped the ball at him after the sack, and they called him for uh, they called him for pass interference. Pass interference. They called him for pass interference. Right? No, they called Case Keenum for 
unsportsmanlike conduct yet all the other BS those guys were doing right after that. I, I don't know, maybe excessive celebration. I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit, maybe I take things a little too personal. Uh, but so did, uh, so did they, I guess, because that's why they called, uh, <laughs> that's why they called Mr. Case Keenum for unsportsmanlike conduct. So Fran Tarkenton Award goes to Case Keenum again. Outstanding game. Quarterback rating over 120. No turnovers once again. I guess the defense ever capable of forcing turnovers. Uh, he could have fumbled multiple times in the game, but he was able to hang on to that football at those key moments. That could have got us killed, man. I mean, the, the Detroit would have had the ball right there in the red zone. It would have been a whole different ball game. Luckily, Detroit was the one with a couple turnovers. Just two turnovers made that much of a difference. And they weren't pick sixes or fumble sixes or anything like that. They were just simply turnovers. And, yeah, they just ended the drive. And it felt good for us, indeed, uh, ultimately. So, Vikings taking advantage of situations along the way. Stefan Diggs finished with 66 yards. Not his best game, but a very solid game. A better game than it was. Kyle Rudolph, honorable mention for Fran Tarkington Award. Awesome game for Kyle Rudolph. Caught everything coming his way. Adam Thielen is always a Fran Tarkington uh, candidate. Another spectacular game. Big catches. Uh, one first down catch after another. Jerry is right again. Two first downs in his two catches. Just, I love Jerry is right. And again, that's what everybody calls him. My guy. You know, your guy, Jerry is right. Yes, that's my guy. Jerry's right. He was awesome. Michael Floyd did get his one catch. Didn't quite get that first down, but hey, at least he caught it, and that's it. <laughs> kind of is what it is there. Uh, did I mention Latavius Murray? 84 yards on the ground, and again, did get in the end zone. And of course, Case Keenum rushed into the end zone when need be, but the guy avoids sacks like crazy, and he makes nice passes. So Case Keenum definitely got a little bit of that Favre in him, but certainly doesn't have the rocket that Brett Favre has. But he does have the guts and, the, you know, obviously the love for the game, maybe that's overrated because we all love the game. That doesn't mean I can throw a bullet through three defenders uh, in, in, into a guy's chest. But uh, Case Keenum puts the ball where he needs to put it uh, more often than not. And I'm so impressed. Uh, his accuracy has improved. His, you know, his, his lack of mistakes has improved. And, you know, that's what they're saying during this, during, during the post game and such. Same similar situation with Dak Prescott and Tony Romo last year. Um in a sense, how Dak Prescott just kept getting better and better, more and more solid, and well, the Cowboys went on to having a, having a very strong season. We don't want the Viking season to end as quickly as the Cowboys did, though. That was kind of sickening. Luckily, Aaron Rodgers isn't waiting, but uh, Drew Brees still is, so well, let's take care of business of that against that son of a gun. <laughs> We're not going to let him have it this time. Fun! So, the Christian Ponder Memorial, you know what? It can go to three, three different entities, or, well, Xavier Rhodes did not have a good game. Um, the dumb penalties, of course, Trey Wayne's pass interference penalties, it's going to go to both of those guys, and, you know, the officiating. I don't like to come on here and blame the refs and whine and complain. You know, I hate going on message boards, like, say, you know, like Timberwolves, uh, the Timberwolves pages and the wild ones, and, oh, the bleeping refs did this, the bleeping refs did that. Yeah, but still, you know, why aren't we, why aren't we doing better? Why aren't we doing better? Why are we blaming the refs? So, still... Yes, some of the calls sucked. And one of the calls on Xavier Rhodes, I think, was semi-questionable, but generally speaking, he wasn't good today uh, until late, and he made the big play. But in general, you could just say the cornerbacks today, they got beat pretty bad by Matthew Stafford, and we're very fortunate to be coming home with the victory. I'm very glad they did. Um, and, of course, the referees will also uh, share the Christian Toronto Memorial today. See, it ain't going to be Case Keenum, that's for sure. He was awesome, so... There it is. Um, David Morgan, you know, he could almost be a small one as well. And Laquan Treadwell continuing to be as useless as ever. 
Very sad story there with Laquan Treadwell, but um, that kind of is what it is. So we'll wrap up this segment, and we will preview the Atlanta Falcons and banter around a little bit. Just talk, talk football with you in segment number two. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two, time to do some previewing. We're going to banter about a teeny tiny bit for the heck of it, and also just very briefly mention the other games on Thanksgiving. The Los Angeles Chargers crushed the Cowboys 28-6. to Dallas has been falling apart. Obviously, injuries to the offensive line have not been helpful at all. Um, just in general, Dallas not looking like a playoff team anymore, and that's fine with me, I suppose, but there's always somebody else that's dangerous that's emerging. Believe it or not, Seattle would not be in the playoffs today, so that makes me smile to a point. Uh, but then again, so many injuries, you know, Chancellor and, of course, Mr. Mister Big Mouth himself, Mr. Richard Sherman, he's out for the season. Both of them out for the year, so with pretty significant injuries, of course. Um, it's kind of like, you know, but then you got Carolina Atlanta. They're teams that were at the top not that long ago. Uh, the last two NFC champions, to be quite honest, in the Vikings will be playing the NFC champions on Sunday. Another nooner, which I love very much. I appreciate that. Uh, Washington survived. Uh, the New York Giants were hanging in there for a while, but the Washington Redskins survived. Unfortunately for them, though, they're still in the doldrums of 5-6. and six. The Giants, 2-9, and nine, still competing with San Francisco and Cleveland for a possible number one overall pick. But it's going to probably go to Cleveland. And, yeah, well, hmm. NFL purgatory for them, unfortunately. I want Cleveland to get better. I do. Uh, I've said that every single show, and I mean it. So I don't need to go back into it again. The Atlanta Falcons, well, we can talk a bit more. I'm going to backtrack a teeny bit with the Vikings. You know, I, I was <laughs> so excited doing the review and everything. Didn't mention a major milestone that took place yesterday was Adam Thielen did reach 1,000 yards for the first time in his career, and with five games remaining, that's pretty damn insane. 70 total catches, 1,005 only three touchdowns, which is kind of funny, but, well, you know, I mean, he's mostly getting the yardage, picking him up. Stefan Diggs second with about 600, and he's got five touchdowns. Ru- Rudolph with five touchdowns as well, a little over 400 yards. It's nice to have a running back that can receive, too, and Jarek McKinnon, 261 on the season and lots of value all, all, all the way through this season. Latavius Murray's got about 500 yards on the ground, so that continues to be steady and solid, and that's uh, already with, of course, Delvin Cook nearing 400 yards in only four games. The guy was just a superstar in the making. Running game for Minnesota, pretty exciting, to be quite honest. And, you know, again, I can't say enough about how valuable C.J. Ham is when it comes to the running game, and you know what, on pass blocking. I talked about it on the last show, and I mean it, damn it. I mean it. <laughs> C.J. Ham's value is in, is incredible. Nice to have a, a fullback on the roster that can play, that can block, and boy, his value is insane. And Adrian, again, I mean, about not wanting a fullback, they just get in the way. Pretty stupid, because look, look, look at the value. I mean, it's no wonder a quarterback's around their back almost the whole time that uh, Adrian was here. Even Brett Favre, obviously, we know what happened to him on multiple occasions. That's uh, why his season was cut short, his final season in the National Football League. Case Keenum's already about 2,500 yards. He's having a Favre-like year almost statistically. Kind of, you know, 14 touchdowns and five interceptions. I'm just kind of looking at this stuff for the heck of it, just to kind of get people caught up on just how well these guys are doing. It's not about just, I'm going to sit here and read stats, but also, you know, at the same time, there aren't, there's, <laughs> I already talked about the other two games, and um, 
Obviously, the NFC North has not played yet. Green Bay, Chicago. Well, we played Detroit, so that's the one other game. Chicago is going to Philadelphia. Uh, good luck there, but go Bears, actually. You know what? Because we don't have to worry about the Bears catching us. Uh, I really don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> What's also nice is how the Vikings have already won more games than last year, which is, again, staggering considering how good a start last season was and how poor a start this season was immediately after Sam Bradford's injury. Um Whew. I mean, things look so positive the way we just coasted through that team. Bradford looked like a superstar, and ever since then, obviously, Bradford's been AWOL, except for that first half in Chicago, when it was like basically more like the Twins and the White Sox, not the Vikings and Bears. I mean, 3-3, three to three, are you kidding? That's kind of garbage. Or was it 0-0? Zero, zero? I mean, that's just a joke. Uh, um, Miami, Miami visiting New England. See, there you go. There's the team that always beats the Patriots. That's going to be very interesting. Uh, Kansas City, Buffalo, well, Kansas City, and Buffalo, two teams that have fallen off the face of the earth, so one of them's going to get a win, Cleveland, Cincinnati, ooh, uh, Atlanta is playing Tampa this week, before they play the Vikings, of course, where are the Packers, they are, okay, yeah, Los Angeles, New Orleans, talked about that, uh, Jacksonville's the leading rushing team in the league, and, and the best team in uh, stingy defense, Green Bay's going to Pittsburgh, well, I don't like either one of those teams, but I guess kind of go Steelers just to kind of wrap things up for the Packers because we don't want Aaron Rodgers to come back and pull off a miracle and all that crap. But I don't know. If it happens, it happens, I suppose, if he does come back. But maybe it'll be too little too late record-wise. That's what we're kind of hoping for. Fun overall season, though, for the Vikings, of course. Uh, you got uh, Everson Griffin's leading the way with 12 sacks. Daniel Hunter's now up to six. As he's had sacks in multiple games now, uh, you know, consecutive games. Nice to see Daniel Hunter picking it up. He's had sacks in actually three straight games, so very much appreciated there. Very, very, very much appreciated. No surprise, Eric Hendricks leading the team in tackles because that's who he is. He's just so quick. He's always on the ball, and he's just spectacular, and uh, it's been a nice uh, junior jump, we'll call it, for uh, Mr. Anthony Barr. Or is it his fourth year already? It's his fourth year, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> He's a senior senior uh, surge, we'll say. So congratulations to Anthony Barr getting back in the mix again, playing up to his potential, obviously, because we, we know what he can do. So let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. They are 6-4. and four. They will be playing the Buccaneers, which means they'll probably be 7-4. and four. And last year, they're, they you know, at this point in the season, Nobody knew how good Atlanta was going to be yet. They kind of surged around this point of the year last year. They had a similar record, similar place. Well, they were they were competing with Seattle for the division. And next thing you know, they just started soaring like Falcons do, I suppose. And just before you knew it, they were the best team in the NFC. Um, it was them. Well, they were second best. They had Dallas, of course. Pardon me. <laughs> Dallas had the best record, but Atlanta was right there. Um, a lot of people thought that it was going to be Atlanta-Dallas. I was like... I don't think either team is going to make it, but the Falcons were the better team. They ended up making it at the end of the day. Man, just shows how good Case Keenum is on paper because Matt Ryan's numbers are actually kind of worse. Uh, the quarterback rating is about the same, about 95, 96. 15 touchdowns for Ryan, 8 interceptions, and the yardage, only a 100-yard difference in favor of Matt Ryan. So kind of funny, kind of crazy when you think about that. Uh, Keenum didn't start. He only started 8 games. He played the second half of the Bears one. We know that went well and, of course, did not play against the Saints, because nobody on earth was expecting Case Keenum to really get a whole lot of snaps this year, just some. Um, you know, there was like Sam Bradford, who played all the games last year, he stayed on his feet, believe it or not, well, not on his feet, but he stayed healthy. It wasn't on his feet or anything, he got sacked about 1,500 times, but 
<laughs> Again, the, what, what a difference the line makes. And also a quarterback that can weave his way out of trouble. Uh, Case Keenum really does have that ability like Favre did back in the, you know, back in the 90s. Not not so much when he was here. He was he, he had a little bit, but he was, you can only do so much when you're 40 freaking years old. So um, we're going against one of the best passing games in the NFL, obviously. Last year they were the best by a mile. I mean, it wasn't even close. Uh, Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman are a nice one-two punch as well. About the same amount of yards per carry. Devonta Freeman getting a few more yards, of course. He's got the name. He's been around, and he's been good. Uh, five touchdowns for him, three for Trevor Tevin Coleman. Um, but uh, a nice duo, kind of like the Vikings had with McKinnon and Murray at this stage. Julio Jones, probably the best receiver in the league, in, in my opinion, but the guy can't stay healthy. That's the problem. Only one touchdown on the year, and uh, Atlanta went through some tough times until of late. Uh, they're finally kind of back in the mix again. Obviously, starting out the season, they were 3-0, and and they looked great. Then they started lo- Then they lost three in a row, and before you know it, they're 500 again. They just squeaked by the Jets. They lost a game to New England. Big surprise there, right? Carolina, they lost again after squeaking by the Jets. And now they've beaten Dallas and Seattle the past couple of weeks, uh, putting up putting points on the board more than they had been. Still an interesting t- statistic that Julio Jones only one touchdown on the year so far. Julio freaking Jones. Uh, again, his biggest problem is uh, Stefan Diggs' biggest problem. Can't stay healthy sometimes. But so far this year he has. And things are kind of slowly but surely creeping along for the Atlanta Falcons. Again, they play Tampa next coming up, which I think spells good things for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Their pass defense is better than their run defense. That's noted. Their overall yardage defense, yardage defense is 10th in the league. Their pass defense is, it's, you know, it's in the upper echelon and the rush defense is in the lower echelon. Again, I expect a solid game out of uh, Latavius Murray. I've Really come to like Latavius. I, I like his value. I like that he hangs onto the ball. Because with Adrian Peterson, you just never know. You're just saying, well, when is he going to fumble? Not if, when. It was, when is Adrian going to fumble? And that was always the fear. And, of course, with uh, Matt Asiata, there was no run protection. And at the same time, the guy couldn't break a tackle if his life depended on it either sometimes. As powerful as he was, he just had no movement. He could not move at all. It was just ridiculous. So it was a horrible combination. And Jarek McKinnon... Went through hell on earth too most of last season, even though he had some good moments as well. Um, he he did what he could, and he ended up having to lead the Vikings last year because of Mr. Uh, Adrian being hurt immediately to start out the season, and <laughs> that was always good stuff. Well, it was in the second game, um, the first ever in U.S. Bank Stadium, first and last uh, game as a Viking in U.S. Bank Stadium for Adrian Peterson. Kind of sad when you think about it. Uh, Jacksonville's defense is spectacular. They've been leading the league. But no, at- Atlanta, upper echelon, you know, top top half of the league in pass defense, bottom half of the league in rush defense, bottom third, I would say, in rush defense. So you can run on the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, it's something that I would hope the Vikings should uh, would be able to do when need be. Uh, well, we could look at the November game against Seattle most recently. Very entertaining game, but again, more injuries to Seattle pretty much wrapping their season up, though they still put up a hell of a fight. 34-31. to 31. Seattle st- uh, still 6-4, believe it or not, even after that loss. Uh, that's pretty crazy that they were able to hang in there. Matt Ryan just starting to kind of kind of sort of come around. Not the most spectacular season, of course. Russell Wilson always drives me nuts. He's tough to deal with. Um, Leo Jones getting 71 yards in that particular game, so good for him, I suppose. Uh <laughs> It's, it's the running game. I mean, again, if you're going to get somewhere, 
against the Falcons. I think it's the running game. You, you, it, it's beatable, and I think Case Keenum can also break loose for a first down or so here and there, depending on the situation. The Vikings should be able to beat the Falcons. It is a road game, though, and that's tough. I can't remember the last time the Vikings beat Atlanta in Atlanta, though. Uh, I believe during the uh, Joey Harrington days when Harrington was there and Michael Vick was suspended and never going to return, all that kind of stuff. It was during the doldrums of Atlanta. Uh, it's, boy, it's an interesting uh, thought process when you think about going in Atlanta. And how, you know, it's, it's, it's a different ball game than coming home, that's for sure. As we can look at the previous three games, the Vikings won the last two. They won in uh, 2015, believe it or not. But, you know, it, Atlanta was going through this and that, uh, and the Vikings were doing well that year. Vikings won 20-10, to 10, and then there was that 41-28 game where Teddy Bridgewater had that coming out party. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then, of course, he hurt his ankles, too, in that game, so we couldn't see him, and the Vikings got obliterated by the... Uh, <laughs> they got obliterated by the... the Green Bay Packers with Christian Ponder's last game as a starting quarterback. I couldn't believe it. Obviously, there's no Matt Castle, <clears throat> no Bridgewater. So Christian freaking Ponder was in the game against Green Bay, and he did absolutely nothing. And Atlanta beat the Vikings 24-14 in 2011 because in 2011, everybody beat the Vikings, and that was when the Vikings were over there in Atlanta. So I guess the Vikings did win in Atlanta in 2015. So it's like my, my memory is not too strong sometimes. Some, sometimes it's, you know, I, I can remember so many things, but just certain schedules of certain teams that we don't play very often, it kind of, you know, it wasn't the most memorable game. That's one of the things. And plus when you review so many games over the years too, you kind of get behind. But so luckily the Vikings did win in Atlanta. <clears throat> Adrian had, had a solid performance. He led the league in rushing, and he, again, had some uh, good overall games. Of course, <laughs> there's a highlight where Adrian missed a, a pass, a very catchable pass, but then again, welcome to uh, welcome to Adrian Peterson. Are you surprised? <laughs> had a good year. Had, had a good game on the ground, though. Wow, two touchdowns, 160 yards, so that was very helpful overall. Bridgewater solid. And um, Atlanta wasn't very good at the time, though. But still, hey, at least we won in Atlanta, got the job done. So I think this team can get it done. Obviously, the Vikings beat Detroit. Detroit knows the Vikings better than the Atlanta Falcons do. And, of course, Detroit had kind of semi-owned the Vikings. In the last three, Vikings 2-1 and one against Atlanta. And, of course, the last loss to Atlanta was 2011 when the Vikings were awful at 3-13. and 13. Oh, two awful seasons by Mr. Uh, Leslie Frazier's uh, Vikings uh, during his coaching tenure, 2011 and 2013, which would be his last year coaching the team. It's a winnable game, but Atlanta's kind of semi-sort of starting to emerge. They're still kind of middle-of-the-road good, though. They're not scary good like last year. And I, you know, I, I just, it's hard to pick against the Vikings right now. It, it really is. Yeah. You can't pick them to go undefeated, though. I mean, do you really think the Vikings are going to go 14-2 and two this year? That would be awesome, but I, I don't know. I mean, you got Atlanta, of course. At Carolina, uh, that's kind of a tricky one, even though the Vikings have owned that team the last several years now, which is pretty cool. Cincinnati coming home, they better win that one. At Green Bay, well, you know, it depends on who's the quarterback, I guess. And Chicago here, that's just like last year. That's a win. That is a bleeping win. Um, classic Vikings in Chicago final game of the season win. Um Back in the day, too, when the Vikings were playing for the division title against the Bears, that was fun. But also, just kind of a well-oiled machine, kind of wrap things up and get home field advantage throughout the playoffs, or at least in the second round, so to speak, type of thing, if uh, Philadelphia remains hot as hell like they are right now. Um, oh, boy. It, it's a tough pick, but I, I, I have a hard time picking against this team right now. 
you, you might lose one of these games between Atlanta, Carolina. I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I would almost think Atlanta's more likely to beat the Vikings than Carolina, but Carolina's weird. They're quirky, this and that. So pardon me, that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, but it's, mm. <laughs> I'm having a hell of a time with this one. Yeah, I will pick a Vikings victory. I mean, it's like just win or loss. I mean, I think the Vikings are more likely to win this game. If I were a betting man, literally, if I were a betting man and I had nothing in this game in terms of who I want to win, who, whatever, this, that, I would pick the Vikings to win this game. Just like I would have picked the Rams a couple of weeks ago. I was just being honest with you because it, the Rams were on an influential run. They were playing great. And the Vikings, it's just, you know, to me, you just weren't 100% sure. The uncertainty of the quarterback and all that. But now... I guess it really is Keenum right now, at least for the remainder of this season. And then, obviously, things get really weird in the offseason with all three quarterbacks uh, free agents, uh, entering free agency. Whoa, that is going to be uh, very interesting, and that's why these guys make the big bucks. The Vikings will beat the Atlanta Falcons. Final score, uh, the Falcons do give up points, and I don't imagine why this offense can't score on Atlanta. The pass defense will be tough. Uh, you might see turnovers in this game, even though the Falcons are like worst in the league in interceptions. That's the interesting part. Only three interceptions on the season, but uh, knock on wood, we all know, we all know, right? You know what I'm hinting at. Be careful with that thought. <laughs> Ugh, watch them double it. Okay, I did not say that. Did not. I'm sorry. I take that back. They will not double it, damn it. They will not double it. The Vikings will win 32-24 in a solid kind of one-touchdown type of win. 31-24. 31-24. The Vikings will win by a touchdown late in the game. Probably goal line type of situation. Uh, get Latavius Murray in type of thing. Or say the Vikings take the lead. Atlanta kind of take, takes a, take like a 10-point 10, 10 lead or 14-point lead. And the Falcons come back. Make it interesting. But the Vikings defense finishes the job. I guess a pretty dangerous Atlanta offense, but still a underperforming Atlanta offense. Minnesota 31, Atlanta 24. The Vikings survive in a in a stellar running game, I think. I mean, the, the running game has worked very well against Atlanta for a while now. Uh, you know, there was a, a screenplay that helped beat the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl last year. That helped. Uh, Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray, I think, are going to be big factors in this game. Again, don't be surprised to see Thielen keep up what he's doing, and hopefully uh, Stefan Diggs can continue to draw those penalties. As so, That stuff doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but boy, it sure does show up at the end of the day when uh, you're watching the game. You you see it. It's not invisible. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Uh, drawing big penalties. Maybe hopefully Thielen can get more respect, too, as well. Uh, it seemed like neither one of them got any respect in that second half as the Detroit Lions just... Uh, scored like crazy after that, or, you know, stopped the Vikings like crazy because there were no pass interference calls. The Vikings only scored one touchdown in the second half right at the beginning of the third quarter. So it is what it is. The Vikings will beat the Atlanta Falcons 31-24. Let's take a break, and we will hear once again from Mad Martin. Thanksgiving, guys. I hope you're having a fantastic day. Well, a win over the Rams. That was, um, I wouldn't say unexpected, but again, like I think a lot of other people, I wasn't really hopeful that we would pull it out, especially after that uh, that first scripted drive where it was the proverbial hot knife slicing through butter. But after that, Al D did its job and shut them down. And the O did its job eventually, although it felt at times like a heavyweight slugfest 
And, you know, Keenum, um, dare I say it, is he starting to look like the Fran Tarkington of the 21st century? I mean, some of those those moves were superb. Yes, I know the O-line's given him more time, but he's creating a lot of time himself. And that play where he, he fires that bullet to feel him, he, you know, he gets hit in the head. So that could have been a roughing the passer call for a start. He then disappears under a, another player, suddenly to reappear and launch a rocket. It's just, just completely incredible. Um, should I put it out there? If he continues to play at this kind of level, is he in the conversation for an MVP award? I'd love to think so. That'd be quite funky, wouldn't it? The, the guy that's uh, really just been a journeyman has made good. Still a long way to go, certainly. I'm really struggling to come to terms with 8-2, and two, though. I, I, I think like a lot of people this year, I wasn't sure what this revamped O-line was going to achieve, and uh, it certainly achieved a lot more than any of us... Uh, truly expected as a long-term Viking fan I think you tend to keep your expectations fairly low I mean this season I truly felt 8-8 eight and eight would be a realistic appraisal of where we stood and possibly a 10-6 and six and a wild card berth the division I felt looked tough you, you got Rodgers so there you go there's 12-4 and four. the Lions certainly I think everybody expected them to be playing at a higher level than last season. But here we are, at 8-2 and two with a two-game lead. Rodgers is out. Um, so it comes down to what we can do against Detroit on Thursday. I truly hope we win. The fact is then we've guaranteed a division. A three-game lead, there's no way we're going to drop those three games. So it's a must-win. But yeah, so we win another division. I, I kind of feel now big deal. We've won plenty of those in the past. It's now coming down to, we want the big prize. We want that Super Bowl. So every game now, the last six are all must-wins. Every game is almost now like a playoff. We have to win each and every one of those. And if Philadelphia slip up, we can guarantee that home advantage. And that home advantage would be massive for this team. I don't believe they can win the Super Bowl going on the road. If they're going to win it this year, they need home field advantage, which means we have to win every single game. No two ways about it. Division? I don't care. I want to see a Super Bowl. I want to see a Super Bowl one in Minneapolis. I think that would be incredible for that fan base that has suffered so many years of anguish. Let's be honest, this team needs every little piece of advantage you can get and with that crowd behind it it has a distinctive advantage you were talking about the 09 season and i personally feel if we'd had home field advantage against the saints taints whatever you want to call them they would have been destroyed in minneapolis on that day it wouldn't have been close whether or not we would have won the super bowl against indianapolis is a Another question, but we would have certainly made a Super Bowl after 30-odd years being away from that game. The time is here again, I hope, that we can uh, achieve greatness, perhaps. And I think it'd be fantastic if that was achieved by Case Keenum and Phelan Diggs and one amazing defence. And also the coach, Grant, as well. 90 years old, 
wouldn't that be spectacular to see that that guy be able to pick up the Lombardi trophy and go, hmm, at long last. I'm starting to get a little bit superstitious, I think, because I thought, oh, I better do another voice recording for you because, uh, hey, we keep winning, which is really cool. <laughs> anyway, I'm, uh, I'm off. So, Skull, folks, enjoy a fantastic Thanksgiving. Sadly, I won't be able to watch it live because of work commitments. Mm, yes, I should have planned better, but I didn't. So, enjoy your day. Skull, let's beat those lions. Beat those lions. Say it after me. Beat those lions. Beat those lions and beat the lions, the Vikings did. Ah, I love that. Beat the Rams. Beat the Rams. Yep. <laughs> and beat the Rams, they did. Yes, keep them coming. Yes, if it's a superstition or whatever it is. Keep it coming. Let's go all the way. Um, wow. Uh, yep, a, a lot to get to, but at the same time, I mean, just wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, wonderful things to talk about and great takes. Obviously, that offensive line has made the difference in Case Keenum's ability to maneuver and free himself is a combination. It's a wonderful combination. And then you have two receivers that are ever capable of being stars in this league. Um, Adam Thielen's a pro bowler already at this point. I mean, he would be in today, you know, if, if the season ended with a certain number. I mean, he's been that amazing. Stefan Diggs, I think, is pro ball all over him. Maybe even Latavius Murray might get in if things keep up. He's just been great. Uh, Riley Reef, uh, obviously, I think he's as valuable as it gets. Uh, I'd like to see Remmers come back from the concussion protocol. That's frustrating. He hasn't been back forever. But Rashad Hill's been adequate. And, of course, the offensive line is hit and miss on occasion, and Riley Reeve gives up his first sack in the, of the season, so yesterday, but the Vikings still win. So, okay, give it up now rather than, like, in a crucial moment when we need that drive and it's third and whatever. you got to get that uh, first down, God willing. You have so many weapons, and you have that Chester Taylor-like guy in uh, Jerry McKinnon, the Chester Taylor third down running back that can make those seven yard, eight yard, eleven yard catches, catch and go, break a tackle, break the key tackle. See, it's like he makes the catch maybe five yards uh, beyond, but he's got to get that extra three to six yards something, and he's more than capable of swinging, breaking that tackle, and getting around and out of bounds or whatever the situation is after he's able to move the chains. And uh, that's just so many ingredients to winning a championship. Uh, on this team, obviously the defense is unbelievable. Uh, Xavier Rhodes needs to play better than he did yesterday, without a doubt. But still, at the same time, um, that's what it is all about. You know, just make those key stops and, again, make up for a rough day with the interception. Uh, he still didn't completely, completely avoid the Christian Town Memorial for what was his worst game of the season. But a key interception that wrapped things up. Thank you very much for getting that done, <laughs> without a doubt. And yes... I totally understand about, yeah, we do need to win every game, that type of thing, and I hope we do. I hope the Vikings do finish 14-2. and two. Um, I, I, Some people are saying, Paul Allen on KFAN is going as far as to say the Eagles are going to be 15-1. and one. Are they that good? Um, they looked awfully damn good, though. They crushed the Dallas Cowboys, that's for sure. That was, uh, ooh, boy, that was really something. They just smoked them like a cigar. I mean, it was like a nothing. Not even like, like, eh, that was easy. So, kind of scary. Um, just just a little bit scary. Um, of course, the Chargers beat them really bad, too. So, maybe, mm, just maybe, that wasn't as uh, dominant a win as it may appear in terms of, like, rolling over a playoff team type of thing. Maybe Dallas really is done, and chances are they are. Um, 
Wow. Um, the ultimate dream. Yep. Dome field advantage or <clears throat> U.S. Bank field advantage. Since dome field advantage is a little different now. Uh, skull field advantage. Since, of course, that's where the skull chant began last season against Green Bay. The very first, uh, yep, the very first game in U.S. Bank Stadium, regular season game, the Skull Chant, Skull Field Advantage, all the way to Lombardi. Not to the Super Bowl, but to Lombardi, literally in the Super Bowl as well, which has never been done in national football like history. And it is the ultimate way to end a curse is the most incredible story there is. You know, your third quarterback, you're the third guy most likely to start and play games and be successful is the one doing it right now. Uh, your rookie, your star rookie has that ACL, fumbles the ball because he's worrying more about his knee at the time because of the extreme pain and sudden shock that it must have sent through the young man. And probably the pop that it makes too. So that's what they say. I've luckily never been around to that happening, but they say it makes a loud popping noise, like just like that. Literally like just a, a big piece of celery snapping, but louder. Oh, God almighty. Um, but you lose him... Teddy Bridgewater, obviously, with the injury that he had, all the circumstances coming in, and here we are. And it's, you know, it's the the, the story's still being written. But if that final chapter <laughs> involves Lombardi, it's the best storybook you could ever write for the Minnesota Vikings ending their drought. Um, wonderful thoughts there, uh, Mr. Matt Martin. You are the best. <laughs> Absolutely the best. I just love it. Um, and it's also true. 57-year uh, drought to end that way. That's the only way to end a drought is the most remarkable story. And I've said that many times, and that's usually how things do end. Like the Red Sox beating the Yankees down three games to zero. They have to win four in a row, including game seven on the road. And, you know, there's, it's the only way you end a curse is the most impossible uh, most impossible route, the steepest climb. And they did it. The, the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, could keep going. The Chicago Cubs had to go on the road. Uh, they, they, they beat the they beat Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bleepin' Bumgarner, who was immortal for San Francisco. In an even number year when San Francisco always wins the World Series, the Giants, they won't be doing that next year, I don't think. But because uh, they really dropped off this year, like astronomical drop off. Um, but Madison Bumgarner, the immortal pitcher for about three, four years there, no, more than that, in the postseason, just remarkable numbers. They beat him. They survive a uh, San Francisco Giants series and then survive getting beat by Cleveland, you know, in, and, and being on the road and giving up the lead in the ninth. And like teams always do, the road team always gives up the lead in the ninth inning and then the home team magically wins the World Series. You know, so oh, the greatest thing ever. Woohoo, the home team won again. And luckily the Twins are one of those teams. They didn't have to give up the lead, but they ended up finishing the game off in game seven of 91. Um, but yes, it's always like that. Teams always come back, make their miraculous comeback, but the Cubs are able to finish the job. Luckily for them, though, they were against a team that hadn't won a World Series since 48, and they're colossal chokes too. So <laughs> I guess that's the way that had to be. <laughs> the odds of Cleveland and Chicago Cubs being in the World Series at the same time. What are the odds of that? But it happened. Okay, let's get moving. Thank you very much, Mad Martin. Star candidate always. <laughs> um... Twitter account, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. Please do give it a follow. James Beck and Tanae Brown retweeted the most recent show, The Glass Ceiling. Thank you very much, guys, for that. Let's keep moving. Mad Martin says, great podcast again. Indeed, Glass Ceiling sums it up, as I still cannot get my head around this team's performance so far this year. Dare I believe this team 
can do it. Yeah, I think they can. It's, uh, you know, winning a Super Bowl is almost impossible, but, I mean, I don't know. One team does it every year. May, why not us? You know, it's like it's got to it's got to happen. It's got to one of these days, one of these years, and then hopefully this is it. Um, just like the Houston Astros, every year they would they all they have a good team. Every time they'd have a good team, they would fail and not win. But eventually, the their year came. Even the Cubs, their year came. The Red Sox, their year came. The Chicago White Sox, the most uh, you know, they're a team that had an 85, 86, 87 year drought. I believe 87 year drought. And everybody was just like, oh, White Sox won the World Series. Okay, well, that's the end of that. So, yeah, let's go, let's talk about football or whatever else the topic was at the time. And it was kind of weird. Those guys kind of got thrown under the rug. Like, nobody even gave a crap about the White Sox. But that was an 87-year drought, too. So, if all these teams can end their droughts, Cleveland, the city of Cleveland ended their drought with the Cavs. Cavaliers, pardon me. Um, it can happen. Let's let's keep it going. All right, let's, I better get moving. It's going to be long now. It was going to be short for a while there. Mad Martin says, thanks for the Silver Star. As to small seats, if the ones at Sheffield UTD are smaller than Twickenham, Sheffield must have midget fans. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Mad Martin continues saying, Joe, wishing you and your family a peaceful and happy Thanksgiving here in the Hebrides. They also celebrate Thanksgiving, so up the colonels. Uh, absolutely. So we celebrate Thanksgiving as well. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Mr. Dave Martin. Um, what was he saying? Do it. Something, some conversation came up somewhere. Um, can, can do it. Yep, yep. Oh, you see, you were just correcting yourself and laughing. That's cool. Uh, Mad Martin continues saying, says, oh, if we make the Super Bowl, we would be the away team. And yeah, isn't that the annoying part? We'd have to wear white. That's the, we'd have to wear the white jerseys at home. That's kind of weird, but oh well, we'd still be at home. That's the thing, <laughs> because it's a it's a rotation. AFC, NFC, AFC, NFC, AFC, NFC. Like uh, NFC, like last year the Patriots wore white, but hey, they won the Super Bowl if they're wearing white, so it doesn't matter. Mad Martin says social media blackout begins biggest game of the season, the NFC North title game. Win it, and yep, he says got finished. I think about an hour behind, but what a start! <laughs> Thirteen zip. Yep. Ah, uh, what was, yep, I was saying, yeah, it's, it's been, yep, I was talking with uh, Ali Sidikai on Twitter, also saying, uh, he was saying it's not a good game from Rhodes, I was telling him, you're right, it's, yeah, it's probably the weakest game of the year, and uh, Ali agrees, I think it was too, Mad Martin says, just caught up here, here we go again, nail-biting time, but we've scored 20 points so far. Better than the last few games. Need this. Oh, I had to keep rolling and kill this game. He was saying I was a statement drive. Yep. And he says, I clearly have no idea what the bleeping PI call is these days. Do these refs have too much party food at halftime? Yeah, because there were like no PI calls there all the whole game. He was saying, replay everything these days. Why not those? Happy Thanksgiving, brother. Glad that's over. The Great Escape wins. The, the great escape, but a win's a win, and every game feels like a playoff game now. We need home field in the postseason to win it all. And yeah, I mean, we, we need to have a little Boston Celtics type of a home home field advantage. Yep, home field, home court in the Celtics case. Two more tweets remaining. Mad Martin says, we can all relax this weekend. Maybe maybe the Eagles get beaten too. Time to watch the America's team get zapped by the Bolts, and boy, did they ever. They got, the, they got zapped by the Bolts, all right. Um, go Bears. Yep, let's go Bears. Uh... How do they say it? 
Oh, man. Just go Chicago Bears. I don't know. I, I don't remember their song. Damn it. Dylan Richardson, I wish you're out there listening. I don't know. I think he's banished of the face of the earth. Damn it. Oh, I miss Dylan Richardson. He says, uh, let's see, final tweet is, UK, Minnesota Vikings says, nice win, or nice to get a win over the Lions and agree we have to win out. And yeah, you know, it's not going to be easy, but well, no one said it would be, huh? So that's a key there. Facebook, uh, first of all, I'll give a shout out to MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven, do give that page a like and follow, so to speak. Comment in there comment in there during the week, all that good stuff. A lot like the Purple Mafia page. Do give them a follow. They're nice enough. Trevor Wickerman is nice enough to allow me to post links on the page as I in turn give him shout outs on this show to encourage others to join it. And pe- people have joined it, so <laughs> so if anybody there that, you know, doesn't like me very much or whatever, you know, obviously not Trevor, but other people there, they they just young kids, whatever, they just because I'm not part of their little social like circle. They, they automatically don't like you and they think I'm just spamming. No, I'm not spamming. I'm giving shout outs every week. There's more than, you know, the, the numbers of the show have been pretty good this year and they have been moving up, up, up. So yeah, I'm not spamming. If I'm, <laughs> so I'm not spamming. I'm bringing people over there. Trust me. So I wish, but then again, those kids would be too good to listen to this show too. I'm not some crappy, uh, new, new generation music. So <laughs> whatever. Okay. I'm mean. God bless those of you listening here that are younger. God bless you and thank you for listening. And please keep listening and tell your friends to turn off the icky music and listen to this instead. (laughs) Oh, I can't stop. I can't help myself. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. We're, of course, on the application. Look up the Purple Mafia Show page. Because, obviously, most people probably are using applications more than the website, more than the web address anyway, these days. But you get the idea. Very easy to find it. Purple Mafia, Purple Mafia Show on the uh, on Facebook. All the links will be in the show description. Comment on the Glass Ceiling Show. Kurt back out of Lakeville says, Vikings looking great today. These Eagles looking pretty good also. But we got this. And that was, that was on Sunday. Yep. Eagles were looking good all right. In-game thread, I'll bounce around a teeny tiny bit. Cedric was saying how that we need to stop defense, and thankfully that did come. Um, Dave Hickey was hoping we'd finish them off with a TD, and then there was that big interception, or of course the uh, the uh, offsides call, which saved us. Dave Hickey loved that. Says, yes! And then Jeff Froyland says, my nerves are fried and I'm shaking. Who gives a bleep? Nine and two, skull. Mark Carlson says, skull, bye-bye, Lions. Gerald Sring out of Nebraska says, Oofda, this is finally over. <laughs> is, is this finally over? Man, I'm getting too old for this. And that was tough. That was a scary game. Um, I want to thank Josh Mary Henry, Cedric Paulding, all you guys, Dave Hickey. Nice in game, back and forth. Yeah, Dave Hickey was saying, time for a knockout punch. Diggs always has big games against Detroit. Yes, he does. But then uh, this year, it's just Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen. It's for damn sure. Um, Cedric says, uh, drops a gem here saying the officiating and dumb penalties have killed us the entire game. And yeah, they had. Uh, Josh Muir Henry was saying, seems like it's every game against Detroit. Yeah, I mean, you know, th- that's not a rude-like statement. Some people might think it's just being a homer. No, every time we play Detroit, it does get really, really messy like this. And oh, it's ridiculous. Against Green Bay, too. It really is uh, insanely frustrating. I, uh, I'm not a big fan of Detroit. I, I don't really like Lions fans much. Very few of them have been the nicer people I've met over the years. <clears throat> yep, uh, we were able to survive the game, ultimately. Uh, Paging Hunter and Griffin. Yep, Cedric Paulding. Oh, that's funny. 
and it's very true also. Going to look to, uh, yep, Mark Carlson was red hot. No pass interference, red hot. Matt Emer was saying, I'm going to dwell on that one for a while. Matt Emer out of the UK, Mark Carlson, of course, out of Iowa. Josh Mayer Henry is out of Colorado, and Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi. Um, Josh Mayer Henry says, really do not understand the play calling right now. They are trying to lose this game. And yeah, there were a lot of plays. There were some plays when Vikings were struggling. It's, what was it, second and long or something? And, you know, what was the play? It was second down. It wasn't even that long, actually. It was just second and ten. And we're trying to go deep and we're forcing, trying to force the throw into coverage. And it's like, it wasn't like an interception type of throw, but it was more of just a throwaway. Why not, I don't know, why not try to pick up some yardage first? I don't know. It just seemed like we're trying to hit the home runs at times. And then... I can't even remember now what this play after that was. It was just, yeah, it was just a meaningless kind of a, like a, a check down type of play that and, and uh, just players in front. So Detroit certainly had the momentum at that stage. <sighs> yep, and of course the defense was not was not as good as you'd like to see. Mark Carlson was saying, Joey Awajan, please make a statement in the podcast concerning the refs calls and non-calls in this game. I'm going crazy. And yes, I did. At least I hope I did. Oh, man. Hmm. So let's get to the post-game conversation. That's extremely busy. Whoa, I should have just uh, went to that probably. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, let's go. Uh, Tucker Halstrom. Where, where, where is he from? Where is he from? And of course it doesn't say. Oh, not right away anyway. But um, also though, on Twitter, if you could give a, or not on Twitter, on iTunes as I wait for this to load, Please do give a positive rating for the Purple Mafia show if you could. It would be greatly appreciated. A five-star rating for the Purple Mafia show. I'll give you a huge shout-out, and you're guaranteed a star if you could do that. It's it's uh it's getting lonely lately. It's getting kind of uh it's getting bored waiting for the next person to uh say say something. Uh, I always get curious where people are from. I'm I promise I'm not stalking anybody, so that's definitely not my style. Uh, also, there's the phone line, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in to the Purple Mafia show. Do your statement, shout-out, comment, question, and opine, of course. All this information will be in the show description, and it doesn't say, so the heck with it. <laughs> Spend too much time digging around and something that doesn't matter that much. They probably don't want anybody to care, so... They probably don't care that much about uh, giving out that type of stuff. Patrick Grant says the refs sucked ass, taunting on Keenum. No pass interference call when Diggs was clearly interfered with. Sucky officials. And yeah, good statement there, Patrick Grant. I agree. And he's from Woodbury. All right. Mark Carlson uh, says celebrating with a homemade cider. This wasn't going to be an easy game, but I will savor this victory. Happy Thanksgiving to Paladino Joey. Skull, 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 Purple Mafia. And thank you very much. Why did I say happy birthday? I meant to say happy Thanksgiving. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh boy. It's uh, happy Thanksgiving. I don't know how that came out. I must have been just kind of out of it at the time. Uh, you know, I wasn't drinking. It wasn't anything like that. Probably just tired or zoned or the stupid voice text. It changed it. It meant to be happy Thanksgiving. So I'm thankfully, I know you guys are listening so I apologize for the weird, awkward moment there. Dave Vicky was like, birthday? I did, I missed that one. Mark was saying, well, <clears throat> I had a typo in there, but thank you all the same. My birthday's on 9-11, but God bless you, you anyway. Did he say birthday? No, he said Thanksgiving. He never said birthday. So, yeah, that was me. 
I'm really sorry. So my apologies there. Tony Coleman out of South Dakota says 9-2 feels good. Mark Carlson comes back and says, I would like to introduce a proud Viking friend of mine to the Pearl Mafia podcast. Please welcome Eric Sandvin to the podcast. Skull Eric and hopefully... Hopefully uh, Eric would like to listen too. That would be greatly appreciated. So welcome aboard Eric Sandman if you're listening. Tony Coleman put the picture up with uh, Case Keenum with that golden football, the Thanksgiving 2017 trophy, the player of the game and all that. I was saying how he earned up. He was saying he earned it, and I agree. Um, Kai Forbath, uh, Tony says Kai Forbath is still on my bleep list. Yep. Gerald String says no kidding. Very... Little confidence at all in kicking game right now. Cedric comes back with, I'm chewed up. I've chewed up all my fingernails for being so nervous when he's kicking. Yep. Uh, Tony wraps up that section saying it's Deja Walsh. Yep. Oof. Mark Carl, or excuse me, Gerald String puts in his thread saying, man, what a game. Lions put up a great fight as usual. Yep. Too good for my taste. I know Joey's not a huge Lions fan, but I gotta admire the fight that Stafford put up today. The guy is a tough competitor. We finally got it done, though. Skull. And yeah, um, it is true. Obviously, Stafford has gotten a lot better than he was for the first few years in his career, and he's become very clutch. He, you know, it's kind of scary to think he did not have his best game. He was overthrowing guys on several occasions. Might have been some bad routes too, but he was a bit off in the game. So we're fortunate in that sense because uh, Stafford has had some better games, but maybe our defense was good enough that it threw him off a bit. Brent Jacobson, also out of Lakeville, saying, I'm loving this team more and more every week. This definitely seems to be the most complete team the Vikings have had in my lifetime. And, you know, from top to bottom, yeah, and this generated a lot of people. So that is a star candidate for Brent Jacobson. Uh, Dave Hickey says, I think the 99 was about the same, but they are complete and deep. I'm guessing he means 98. 98, yeah, because 99 was good, but they weren't that good. Um, maybe, I, I'm not sure. 99 was the Jeff George team. You mean 98 with Cunningham and Brad Johnson still on the roster, right? Uh, Tony Coleman says the old 9 team was really solid, led by Favre. I really thought they were going to do it that year. This is the best I've felt about a Vikings team since then. Oh, easily, yep. Ben Jacobson says, Tony, I I kind of think the 2017 Vikings defense is much better than the 09 and 98 teams. And I do agree with that. Yes, this defense is better. Uh, yes, the the offense is not as dominant as those teams, but it's extremely good, though. I mean, the offense is way, way better than a lot of us expected, that's for sure. Uh, Brent Jacobson says, this year's defense has been able to carry the team in ways those teams didn't, in my opinion. Tony wraps up that thread with, I agree, it's exciting to have a team that gets me as excited as back then. And absolutely, Tony posts the picture of 1,000 yards for Adam Thielen, and that is awesome. Dave Hickey jumps back in saying, this team is playing great. My friend award goes to Case. Yep, yep, and that's who I went with. Who can who can argue with the network? And the punter goes to Forbath. For me, I, I, I you know, there, today, Forbath was... The guy jumped over the line. It was an illegal play that the refs didn't call. The blocked extra point. And the the other one that was blocked, again, the guy went offside. So for me, I'm not as mad at Forbath right now. It was scary, but... Uh, what was the 53-yarder? I can't remember how that turned out. But yeah, that was another miss, too. That was actually blocked also. Yes, that one was actually also blocked. Um... So, I mean, everything was blocked. That's kind of on, 
I, I, I don't know if guys are jumping over the line. The first one for sure was. That was illegal and it wasn't called. The second one was, I, I don't know, guys got to protect the, the kicker better. The guys guys got to, like, <laughs> and you know what, still, yes, that one maybe was a bit more of poor best fault too because it was probably a little low. It was low enough to get blocked, so okay. And it was a 53-yarder. Those are a little bit tougher, but okay, so I can probably give you that one, yes. But uh, yeah, I'm not as mad as... Uh, I'm not as mad at Forbath as I was at the, the secondary yesterday. And yeah, I know how good Matthew Stafford is, yes. Uh, Brett Jacobson replies to Tay Vicky saying, I might give the punter to Kevin McDermott for getting absolutely run over on the extra point and botching the snap on the field goal. Yeah, I mean, that was really frustrating too. The snap, yep, yep, botching the snap. And it was even more also Ryan Quigley too. He didn't get the, he didn't get the ball down. The snap wasn't as bad as the hold actually on that one. So, but still, you know, all of this is kind of debatable back and forth. The special teams scared the crap out of us in the game. That's no doubt about it. Ali Sidikai says, I was nervous in the fourth quarter. What a win. Tony Coleman says, saw this on another Vikings page. It was the up four bath and Lucy. Lucy Van Pelt from from Peanuts, Charlie Brown, all that, where she'd always pull the ball away at the last second and four bath was attempting to kick. That is funny. <laughs> that's funny and I like it good good taste good taste I love I love Charlie Brown Linus all that you know uh, the, the peanuts all that I, I love that uh, Tony with a few posts here the next one says happy Thanksgiving Purple Mafia it's been a pleasure spending the day with you and happy Thanksgiving to you Tony God bless there good Friday which I don't like to go shopping maybe online a little bit but not much um Post one more picture with, uh, it's like gopher colors, like maroon and gold colors, but Vikings. He says, I wanted to look halfway decent today, but had to rep this purple, had to rep the purple. This tie and clip I wore today. Thanks, Skull Thanksgiving. Unless the colors, maybe the colors are coming. It looks, it looks like the uh, Golden Valley Vikings, which is really funny. I could say this really fast. The Golden Valley, you know, Golden Valley, Minnesota, my hometown where I live forever, pretty much. I'd like to go back to, quite frankly, I like it more than Brooklyn Park. Well, we used to have a high school. Yeah, eventually the whole freaking thing merged with uh, Hopkins High, Hopkins, you know, so it's Hopkins High, you know. Unfortunately, we're Hopkins, the Hopkins Royals instead of the, the Golden Valley Vikings. Well, basically, they looked like the Minnesota Vikings in their logo, but their colors were like the Gophers. Kind of kind of cool. So that's what this made me think of. So that kind of brought me uh, brought me to that a bit. When it, you know, you sit down and do some research, look it up. The Golden Valley Vikings look just like the Golden Gophers. Kind of cool. Um Cedric Paulding wraps the section up saying, I wish they would stop with all this Teddy talk and realize Case is the leader of this team for now. I I don't want to see Teddy unless it's mop-up duty. And at the moment, yeah, for sure. I totally understand that. Um, I think there's more somewhere. Or was that everything? Oh, it's believable. I guess that was everything. I'm going to check for visitor posts. It felt like it just kept coming. Uh... It felt like I kept coming for the longest time. Maybe it was more in the uh, in-game threads, but yeah. So that's probably going to wrap things up in the uh, Facebook page. I want to thank you guys for your involvement and for listening to this show. It's been awesome. been awesome bringing this to you, and we enter another Christmas season, and uh, that's always what Thanksgiving is, the beginning of the Christmas season. Got my cute little tree here. I don't know if I want to even put up a bigger one or not now because I love this little thing. It's simpler, but I'll probably put it up, but maybe less ornaments this year. Too much work, damn it tired, damn it, damn it, no, I'm kidding, <laughs> kind of messy too, uh, but let's pass out the stars before I forget, uh, the gold star for this episode, boy, you know, mm, 
gold star for this episode. Gonna give it to Cedric Paulding. Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi will will rein in the gold star for this episode. Silver star is gonna go to Mark Carlson and Josh Mayer Henry. Bronze stars. I'm gonna give three bronze stars. I'm just going crazy. Obviously, Matt Martin deserves a star, you know, and it's like, you know, I could give him a gold star every week because of those calls are that good. I mean, it's like gold star material every single time, but you got to spread the wealth around a bit. <laughs> so, you know, but I mean, you guys are so awesome. But uh, yep, a bronze stars, Brett McCarthy, Matt Martin, and Tony Coleman absolutely deserves probably higher than a bronze, like a silver plated bronze, we'll say, for Tony Coleman. Just awesome posts, awesome involvement with the show. And again, um, Brent Jacobson, gosh, dang it. I always forget. Oh, I always forget somebody. Brent Jacobson needs to get a star because he generated a lot of comments. He's gonna he's gonna share the gold star. He's he was that it was that good. Uh, Cedric Paulding and Brent Jacobson will share the gold star today. It was that good. So thank you for starting a good conversation, uh, Brent, and bringing up uh, the past. And of course, Cedric Paulding, huge awesome involvement, showing the passion and emotion throughout the show too as well. Really love what uh, Cedric Paulding does bring out of Mississippi. So uh, pretty cool there. He likes his. Uh, War Damn Eagle. That's what he calls it when he's watching college football on Friday, uh, Saturdays, too. <laughs> but uh, thanks again for the involvement, and uh, welcome to the Christmas season. I can't believe it is already. And, of course, it's 50 degrees. Really, man? I worked in 12 degrees a couple Fridays ago. 12 degrees outside. 12. 12. Windshield. 2. That's right. 2. And, you know, I kind of like the cold more than I like hot humidity. But 12 and windy is, is harsh when you're just trying to do lawn cleanups. It's not like I'm in a, on a snowmobile out having a good time in the snow. That's a little different. This is out doing lawn cleanups. You can't dress like you're in a snowmobile when you're doing lawn cleanups. So it hurt just a little bit to be out there. But we got four lawns done, four lawn cleanups done in that weather. So it was pretty uh, New York Giants 2007-like. My, my brother was doing his best Tom Coughlin impression. And I was Eli Manning, I guess, kind of. Okay, I don't know what I was. But my brother's a lot more like Tom Coughlin at times. He's kind of uh, like to yell at people sometimes. But, ah, uh, well, it is what it is. He didn't yell at me that day, though, because we, we just we just rolled. We rolled, tied, rolled. Okay, sorry. I don't know if people want to hear about Alabama there too much, but <laughs> kind of sick of college football sometimes. But especially with the Gophers, are not good. That's no fun. Um, shock of the year there, right? It was funny that uh, Patrick Rice, he gave the tur- turkey of the year to, should I say it? Well, yeah, it's probably not much of a spoiler. He gave the turkey of the year to himself. Those of you that want to read the article probably did by now. It was pretty funny because he lost a 40-year war with Sid Hartman. It was kind of funny. He kind of called it a, a, a war that was waged 40 years ago with Sid Hartman, and he lost the war, so he gave it to himself. It was a very interesting article, and turkey of the year is awesome every year with Patrick Royce. So, funny. A, a lot of people had a weird feeling that he was going to do that on the 40th anniversary. He was going to give it to himself. Uh, the turkey chairman, as he called himself. And yeah, that's what he is, the turkey chairman. So absolutely. Uh, Want to wish you all a safe and happy Christmas season and uh, happy Hanukkah and whatever else other people may celebrate Kwanzaa. So want to thank you guys for uh, being a part of this episode uh, always. And hope this continues. I hope the miracle run does end the way we have always dreamed. The ultimate happy, the happy ending. I, you know, we've talked about it enough. Let's let's just get there. We can keep talking about it every week, but but yeah, I've talked about it enough on this show. You get the idea. I've, I've given the story out. 
uh, please tell your friends about the show if you could. Um, wrap up the conversation about, uh, okay, I gave out the phone line, 209-736-7877. Remember, it's a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Call into Purple Mafia Show and Opine. There's the boo, the call now button on the Facebook page that goes through the to the same number through Facebook Messenger, which is free no matter where you are, even if you're on the International Space Station or 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 if you're in the solar system for Capella or or Sirius, the stars out there that we look at, or Beetlejuice or something. Even if you're that far away, as long as you're on Wi-Fi, you can get in. So, okay, maybe not that far, but. <laughs> but just saying, International Space Station, if there's Wi-Fi, you probably could get to the show, though, that way. Um, same thing with the uh, same thing with the audio submission route. Of course, you use your smart device, the free uh, audio recorder on there. Treat it like a phone call, record maybe five minutes or something like Mad Martin does, stuff like that, and you're free to email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com. Paladinolive at yahoo.com. Everything I just mentioned will be in the show description. So thank you again, and God bless. Uh, Mad Martin, though, he's got that green light, boy. He is just always welcome on this show with those call-ins, and it's fantastic. Audio submissions is what we call them when it's uh, through that, because there's no limit with that one. But uh, some of you, I don't necessarily want people giving me half-hour uh, call-ins, though. That's uh, that's like get your own podcast level there. <laughs> so thanks again. Take care, and we will talk to you in about 10 days.